Triple M rocks the NRL 24-7 through the Triple M app. Thanks to Ream. Steady, hot and strong. Install a Ream. Sunday, a day to worship. Worship a small egg-shaped ball. Oh, no, he drops the ball. Just as long as I'm here in your arms, I could be in no better place. I've got to respect the ball. You're simply the best. Long live the weekend. Long live rugby league. Woo! Oh, you got to love your rugby league. with you on a Sunday afternoon. Welcome to the Triple M Sunday Welcome to it. We do it thanks to our mates at Brighton's Lawyers right across Australia and into New Zealand too. It's the Sunday Sinbin on the Triple M Network for Brighton's. Uh, and joining me today, the usual suspects, the regular crowd. Uh, joining us in our Caxton Street studio in Brisbane. Gordy, tell us, welcome to you. Good afternoon, guys. Good afternoon, Anthony. And you're wearing the, uh, I love that, uh, that hoodie you got on, the Titans hoodie. Yeah, Titans hoodie. It's... Uh... Went to kids' footy today, so put it on, and yeah. uh, I thought I'd keep it on when I when I uh, would see you, just to let you know that our bets <laughs> on. Yeah, I and, don't know about and it. the next four the, games are winnable. The bets just over. to let you it's know, it's not five games. The dogs, from now, the Warriors. I think we play the Tigers and Manly. All right. Oh uh, yeah, Ooh. I'll book you in, P- mate. The bet was. <laughs> uh, don't, let's not get started straight away. Paul Kent from NRL 360, how are you? I'm good, thanks, Anthony. Do you look good in that tux through the week? I was watching. Did you it. like that? Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. You got a class to join up every Absolutely. now and then. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, Hoops, you and then when he took off for the for the horn fight, you uh, you you took over. Yeah, off the interchange, bench, yeah, Anthony. He did a great job too. You had plenty to talk about that night with the Seabolt thing and. Always something happening in the great game of rugby league. There isn't is, it? isn't there, mate? All right, well, look, let's get stuck into it because we've got a couple of big guests today, Ivan Cleary and Toddy Payton from the New Zealand Warriors. So uh, we'll talk to those guys in the course of the afternoon. Now our Maroons poll is already up. There it is. Maroons poll is up right now. Uh, is a four-year contract too long for Justin Holbrook is the question. On the back of how I think we've got in the last year six or seven coaches who haven't seen out their contract, uh, is a four-year contract the way to go? Do we need that right now? Triple M NRL Facebook at Triple M NRL. And uh, so go to it. Tell me what you think. Four years too long? I say it is. Maybe you think it isn't. Well, we'll get the boys to talk about that a little bit later on. Now, look, some of the games over the weekend. Obviously, the Rabbitohs 38, Parramatta nil, Titans 14, Dragons 10, Roosters 58, Broncos 12. Business as usual for the Broncos. Warriors, 36, Knights 6, Sharks 28, Cowboys 12. Here's where I want to start if we can, boys. Panthers 11 straight. Now they beat the Tigers by 30 points to 6. And, uh, well, Paul, they've still only lost one game this season. Yeah, it's magnificent. Yeah, really, really strong effort this year from Penrith. The, the fact that they've just been able to continue winning and continue winning so impressively. They're playing with an energy that I would, I would dare say, Anthony, if you when you go back and you look at grand final teams, premiers from previous Years and you go back, you can go back 10, 20 years on this. Uh, they there seems to all often be a, a, a real bond in the playing mm. group that you can notice it's palpable, and I think the Penrith are showing that. Mm. Is it fair to I, I often think hoops they look a bit like that 05 Tigers side the way they bond with each other? I'd say more like the 03 Panthers team, which right. in a similar vein, uh, were not expected to do a whole lot over mm-hmm. the course of the season, lost their opening few games and then went on this amazing run. Uh, but to Kenty's point, uh, just had this really connected element that you could see visibly yeah. uh, in all elements of their football, whether it's celebrating a big play in defence and someone being bundled into touch a la the Raging Bull and, uh, and, and Brett Hodgson, or whether it's um, when somebody scores a try or puts on a, a brilliant play in attack, you can just see that there's a real togetherness uh, and they're genuinely loving life. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah but that's when the cameras are on them and everybody knows and they want to run over because, you know, they're on TV, just say. But after the game, they all walk in the dressing room and that's when you clock off and the fans can't see you. And there's genuine conversation. Not one player's reached for his phone to get out to check whether someone's texting yeah. or whatever. And they're actually sitting having a great conversation. And, mm. you know, one of the youngest players, Nathan Cleary, goes around and shakes. Like, that's, that's old school. It's a bit old school in there. And then, you know... And really good sort of um, pitches was then he gave his dad a hug and then he gave everybody a high five, but then they hugged. And, mm. you know, I think there's a genuine like between all the players, so they must really get on. 
you compare that to then those images, Gordon, from when the Broncos got smashed by the Tigers, 48 nil at Leichhardt Oval, and they've all walked straight in, and it was as though all of them just, for whatever reason, mm. went straight to bury the head in the phone, Yeah, which mm. is a bad shot, Anthony. It is a bad look. Uh, just quickly, boys, the live ladder, Panthers at the moment, 29. Storm with a game to play today on 24. Uh, Para 24, Roosters 22, South right up there, clack, and now on 20 with the Raiders on 20, a game to play. Uh, Knights, a real valuable loss there. 19 points for the Knights and Sharks, 18. But sticking with the Panthers for a moment, Gordon, tell us, do you see that them as a team that can win the Premiership? Because obviously they're probably going to win the minor Premiership. But, but once you finish in the top four, well, it just starts all over yeah. again. Yeah, well, it does start all over again. But, you know, I think it comes down to injuries. You know, and then the true belief, and I think that they do believe. It's just, you know, it is a different competition. You know, everybody comes out, sides might limp there, sides might be coming off the peak, but when it comes to semifinals, every mate, every single team would come out with the whips cracking and they're all having a crack. And mm. it's normally the healthiest side that normally wins. You know, it's the side that's healthy and they've got there and they're fresh. And, yeah, I don't see any reason why they can't. Okay, boys, to the other side of the coin, the Tigers are now uh, mm. six points out of the eight. I, I didn't really, in, in the Fair Dinkum department, I thought they'd do a lot better this year. want to play some audio from uh, Michael Maguire after last night's defeat. You mentioned that you'll spend the next few weeks to you know, play for a few things and look at a few things. Does that suggest that there'll be a lot more future planning for the future over the next few weeks, I guess, when it comes to team selections and combinations and whatnot? I'll, I'll definitely be looking at that, yeah. Yeah, I want to be able to see uh, the depths of some of the people that we have in the, the organisation, and you know I've got a, a really committed group that's been training underneath this uh, team. So, but I'll have a look and assess. You know, at the end of the day, whoever puts a jersey on, they've got to go out and compete, uh, and that's something that you know we've got to continually instil in this jersey. Okay, Michael Maguire there, and and and, ti- and, and you're uh, hoops, you're a Tigers man. Obviously, that salary cap is still a tad askew. It is, but I think the time for talk's over. Michael Maguire's just got to get a tomahawk out and he's got to chop the roster to pieces. So whoever he doesn't want there and doesn't believe can be part of the solution, he's got to tap him on the shoulder. He's got to have tough conversations. It's going to get worse before it gets better. And in all likelihood, probably the best case scenario for the Tigers is that you know if they can clean the joint out and, and – acquire some decent signings, 2022, maybe they're competitive. Mm, mm. Uh, do you want to sort of nominate where you think, and I'll open this up to all of you fellas, where do you think the Tigers, where where are the real weaknesses? What do they need? I, I think they've got to look at Luke Brooks. Mm-hmm. And I, I think Luke Brooks, what is he now, 25? And I think at least yeah, he's a player who is has been paid because he's going to be a good player mm. for – practically his entire first grade career. I think he's always been paid well above what he's actually delivering based on potential. And that's not a bad thing that, that, that happens, but he's been paid based on potential, but he's at the peak of his physical powers. Now he should be starting to at least pay back the Tigers with match winning performances. And I don't think he has been. Mm. I think he's a duck egg from eight Kenty in terms of Finals. He's never, he's never played the final. Eight finals, years of NRL, yeah. never played a mm. final. That's not a. That's a highly unwanted. And, and when you're statistic. A, when you're a highly paid playmaker, that that's your bread and butter. You've got to deliver those results. And and we look at Nathan Cleary, the season he's had this year. Now, two years, two seasons ago, you, there was probably a struck match between Cleary and Brooks's players. Cleary clearly was younger mm. and uh, was had a little bit uh, probably more upside at that point. But he's just gone way past Luke Brooks. And Luke Brooks, you know, and that, look, I don't have a problem with Luke Brooks with what he's delivering until you t- take into the ca- account the fact that he's been play- paid as a potential rep halfback for most of his career, most of his first grade career. And well, I, there I was just talk think, of him playing for New South Wales really was, early in the peak. Very early on. And, and the Tigers reacted to that, Gordon, and, and they started to pay him like he was going to play Origin one day. And, and to be honest, aside from that first year, after that first year, I think he's got further away from a blue jersey than closer to it. And I think that's where Michael Maguire sits there and has to start making tough decisions. I think that that's going to be a decision that he's going to have to look at. And I think he will look at it. And I think that that's going to be an uncomfortable conversation for the Tigers because they've been waiting for this guy. And now it sounds like we're getting a bit heavy on him now. 
But when you're a, when you're a first grade coach, you've got to have your salary cap in shape. You're gonna be paying you'll be paying four hundred thousand dollars for bike. You get four hundred thousand dollars worth of performance out of. You can't pay four hundred thousand dollars and get three hundred thousand dollars worth of performance out of him. And you can't pay eight hundred thousand for Luke Brooks and get five hundred thousand performance mm. out of him. If you're paying him top dollar, you got to start either, mate. You and, and it's almost to the point now where, mate, you've had enough opportunities to show us you're going to be that player. And if you're not, then mate, you all you all the best to you, but move on, and yep. we'll put that money into someone else. All right, and hoops uh, again with with the roster, and we often have this chat about salary caps being out of whack. Uh, Triple M's favourite son, Joshy Reynolds, is looking to go to the Super League, I believe, next year, and also uh, Russ Packer. If I mean, there's a couple of players that probably are going to move on. I would say, oh, if the Tigers could free up some money. Uh, by moving Josh and by also moving Russell over to the UK, well, all of a sudden, you know, they might have an additional million dollars to spend for next year. I read this week where their CEO, Justin Pascoe, was quoted saying they've got a million dollars in the kitty for next year as it is. But the issue the Tigers are also confronted with at the moment is they've found it hard to sign players. Yes, they got the Lua brothers this year. Yes, they got Harry Grant on a loan scenario. But you go back to when Ivan Cleary was the coach, and we'll speak to Ivan later. He's obviously doing a tremendous job now back at the Panthers. But you go back to when he was coach at the Tigers, and they paid overs and they spent long-term contracts on the wrong players. Mm. And they're still mm. paying the price for that now. And Madge has had to inherit that mess. And you would have to suggest, I mean – the Leilua brothers, God love them. They're not the Trebojevic brothers, are they? They're not, but you know what? Like Luciano Leilua, I think this year, I'd be interested in what Gordy thinks. He's had a red-hot crack. Like, Yeah, I reckon he's held his own. You know, he's still learning his craft, and he's wet behind the ears when it comes to being a seasoned professional week in, week out. Madge is a hard, hard, hard taskmaster. And, you know, without Russell Packer playing, he's you know he's got a bit of X factor in the middle, you know, and people are scared of him. He hadn't had too much in front of him to lay the platform, and we spoke about Brooks. Well, he's on the edge. That's who he receives the ball from. So every time he gets the ball, he's in traffic. There's not too many one-on-ones. But, you know, I just remember the game against the Broncos. Like, he was really good, and he competes hard, and, you know, I think he can turn into a really good edge player. When the Tigers have played well this season, he's been dominant. He's been yeah. one of their dominant forwards. Yeah. All right, boys. Well, uh, there's plenty. There's so much to talk about today. We've got the Anthony Seabold saga at the uh, Broncos has finally come to an end. And now there's some talk in the papers today linking Kevy, I should say linking Wayne Bennett as uh, to a return to the Broncos. You can't make this stuff up. We'll talk more about that shortly. Uh, have a little bit of fun a little bit later on as well, Hoops. You happy to see no Brent Reid here today? You were into him last oh, week. Oh, the, the Seabold sympathiser. Look, I love Reedy, but I mean, you know, I mean, he's a Seabold simp- and good on him. I mean, I'd love to have a friend like he's almost stalking Anthony Seabold. He's in love with him. You've got a man crush on him. Anyway, uh, we'll talk more about that. And hello, we're only saying that, Reedy, because we know you're listening. Oh yeah, mm. saw you on yeah. the ch- on Channel Nine today, mate. You look fantastic. Good to see you getting used out of that tanning bed. That's the main thing. <laughs> we'll take a break and we'll come back and talk Jordan about the, the Broncos as Triple M rocks the footy. <laughs> Sunday Sinbin. Nice to be with you on a Sunday afternoon. Triple M rocks footy. Welcome back to the Sunday Sinbin to our mates at uh, Brydens with Paul Kent, James Triceps Hooper, Gordy Tallis and Maroon. Just uh, wanted to get not serious for a minute here, but uh, a lot of my friends around where I grew up are involved with the Alexandria Rovers. And a lot of them contacted me this morning to tell me that a gentleman by the name of Louis Benny has passed away over the weekend, a proud Alexandria Rovers man and also a, uh, a good South man too was Louis. I, I didn't personally know him, but judging by the texts and emails I got this morning, he was obviously a champion. So uh, sorry to hear of your loss, everybody involved with the Alexandria Rovers, and sorry to hear about the loss of Louis, but I'm sure he's obviously got some wonderful friends because I've heard nothing but great things about him today. So uh, all the best to you guys in the next few days. Fellas, we're going to talk about the Brisbane Broncos because uh, they've been beaten 58-12. to 12. No surprise there on Friday night by the Red Hot Roosters. But the talk, of course, Gordy, will that Anthony Seabold has gone one and a half years into a five-year contract. And I've just got some stats here about Anthony's uh, record. He coached 67 NRL games. Obviously, he started at South. But at the Broncos, 40 games for only 14 wins. And, look, it had to come to an end. It really did. And they, uh, they pulled the trigger on the whole thing early last week. What are your thoughts on it, mate? You 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 obviously believe it had to come to an end as well. Yeah, well, I th- well, you know, the rumours were he was going to get moved on at the end of the year. So 
to do it sooner rather than later, get somebody in there that can start fixing the problems now. There's um, there's a few problems, believe it or not. I, I, um, I think that they they were heading in a better direction, and I know they come up against the Red Hot Roosters and the scoreline wasn't good. It's just their defence. And then, you know, reading in the paper today in the Sunday Mail up here that, you know, he Seabolt didn't coach defence, which is alarming to me because – Everybody always saw the way the Broncos played and thought that we were unbelievable attacking size, but we spent 90% of our week working on defence. So, um, yeah, it was just surprising. I think Brisbane are in a hole. I think the players just reading that, you know, that they're a bit lost, but, you know, there's no excuses for them. And I think in the next month they can go out there, they can work really hard and play for some pride and start winning their own little personal battles. Um, I believe I'd take on, you know, like um, I was talking to Dobbo when we were calling the game. He said, well, what do they got to do at halftime? And I said, they just got to win their personal battle. So when somebody runs at them, they got to win that tackle. And when they run the ball, they got to beat the bloke in front of them. And if they start doing that, you know, I'm not saying that they're going to win games, but they'll be a little bit more competitive. That, well, that's the one thing they haven't been is competitive. And that's, no. See, the, the, the one disappointment, whether – you want to argue whether Anthony Seabold can coach or not. The one thing you can't dispute is there's been no improvement seen in the team. So even when they teams get into a bit of a funk and they go down and they, they, they bottom out and their confidence is down, generally the way out of, a, out of a, a form slump is through effort. That's how you get out. you just got to work your way out of it. There's, you don't magically start putting good touches together. Hard work will bring opportunity and opportunity brings confidence and off you go. But the problem with the... Uh, Broncos throughout this past 11, 12 weeks is we've seen no improvement. And, and that's, that's the one thing that you've got to say, well, that, that has to sit with the coach. Either he's not reaching the players or he doesn't have the ability to actually turn them around. Mm. And, and that's the, the, the one thing you couldn't argue when you're trying to defend what the Broncos are doing is that there, there just was no improvement. You, every team loses form at some point. But when you lose form, you've got to start seeing signs, the you know, green shoots that, that you're actually starting to come back again. And we never saw that out of this mob. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I, I mean, I, my ears pricked up then, hoops, as a rugby league supporter, to hear Gordy say that they never trained defence. I find that staggering. Yeah, that, that Anthony Seabold as the head coach wouldn't play a role in uh, the Broncos' defence. So Gordon obviously spent all of his career been coached by Wayne Bennett. All the training sessions that I've ever been to that Wayne Bennett has been in charge of teams, defence has been a major focus and something that he is extremely hands-on in that department. You look at the Melbourne Storm and all the success that they have had over the course of the last 20 years and Craig Bellamy is all over all of their defence. So it's definitely... look at the um, Roosters, right? The Roosters made 45 metres... In defence. You know when the Broncos passed the ball back the other night and they kept on passing the ball back? They yeah. made 45 metres mm. in defence, mm. but because it was the like Morris throwing a... did. Yeah, <laughs> mate. You know, like, it was yeah. like throwing a tennis ball. You got that mad dog that just chased it. And that's what the... No, seriously. But like the Roosters, the scoreboard was in their favour. They weren't going to lose the game. That's the effort. That's the boys... That's not a stat. That's not something that you walk off and we talk about it and you get super coach points and you go, you know, well, look at that coach. I had to go here because they're metres that no one looks at, no one knows, but you're pushing up just in case. And that's what Brisbane aren't doing. You know I mean, it's all the stats that you can't read that they're not good at. It's funny, Gordy. You can try and make rugby league as complex and as convoluted as you like, but yeah. when you strip oh, it back, simple. it's a pretty simple game, isn't it? And, and I know I keep referencing Wayne, but you look at all the success that Wayne Bennett has had over the years, it's been with a very basic game plan. There's nothing too flash about the way that his sides have won premierships. When he's had players like Alan mm. Langer mm. and Kevin Walters at his disposal, he just lets them play football. He yeah. doesn't go out with his high speed, you have to hit this point at this time, and my dad it tells me that the analysis yeah. says your GPS is done. Garbage. He's mm. overcooked yeah. things. Well, hey, do you know what, mate? I come from Brian Smith, who is a great tactical coach. Trent Robinson, when you see him, it is sort of a Brian Smith. That's where he got, you know, like a lot of his coaching um, and philosophies from, you would imagine, you know, being under Brian. And Brian is a super intelligent guy. I think he took the so, best bits of Brian, Gordon. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then that's what I'm alluding to. So Brian Smith, you know, the game plan – Every, mate, you knew on every play what what ball they ca- what hand they carried the ball in, where they like running from. You know, they have four runs here, three runs there. Mate, they step off this foot when they come out of dummy half. They run that way if they get this. 
I went to Wayne the first time I played. I said, hey, Wayne, because the over message from Brian Smith was a three-page game plan you know, that I had to read to try to remember. And then on the day of the game, he'd ask you questions. Mate, it was like asking me, mate, what happened last week? I had no idea. And I went up to Brian, I mean, uh, Wayne, I said, hey, Wayne, what do you want me to do today? He said, play football, you dickhead. <laughs> so, so look, I've been overcoached or not overcoached. I had all this information in front of me. This is what these guys do. And I went uh, up there thinking, i got the super coach. They've beat us in all these grand finals. It's going to be amazing. Hey, Wayne, what do you do? He just looked at me with the plainest, dumbest look. Oh, well. <laughs> football, you dickhead. That's yeah, what station management, dickhead. that's a similar pep talk to what station management normally give you every Sunday, isn't it, Anthony? <laughs> but I still get it wrong. I still get it wrong. Now, boys, speaking Talking of... Talking to the mic. Speaking to, of Wayne... Yeah, you could, you, could, uh, you could take a little bit of that advice. Speaking of Wayne Bennett, now there's uh, some talk in this paper this morning that a possible return to the Broncos as a coaching director... Uh, could this be true, Hoops? Anthony, I've said it to you before. Your auntie would be your uncle if she had a set of cajones. Yeah, so, that's look, right. it's good in theory. I think the only way that could possibly happen would be if the existing Brisbane Broncos board had a complete broom put through it. Most certainly, you couldn't have Carl Morris there as the chairman anymore. Uh, and I would dare say that a couple of other heads would need to roll off the board as well. Uh, would it work? Absolutely. Look, he, he's got that much skin and that much DNA involved in that club. He knows what it takes to win. Uh, and I think if you had him in the position of a coaching director style of role and then Kevy as your head coach, brilliant combination. I don't think it yeah, can but, work. It but it's not going to work. Because Lockie think... would have to go too. Because he? he and Lockie yeah, haven't. Right. Well, off, mate, like they, he yeah. and Lockie haven't. Yep. Spoken a word because, Since, yeah. yeah, so, mate, there's... I don't think Kevy would have an appetite to have Wayne looking over him either. Mm. I don't think Wayne's yep, done him any favours over the years, uh, despite the, the public narrative. I don't think that that's happened. And I think that if Kevy was given the head coaching job, I, I, I don't think it'd be a, a strong move to bring Wayne in overseeing him as the, the director. I think Kevy uh, will need a little bit of help. Uh, from certain, yeah, from whoever he points as his assistants and yeah. whoever ends up running as a you know, head of football up there or whatever. But I, I don't think Wayne's the right guy to work with Kevin now. I think that, that ship long ago sailed. Do you think, Gordy, like, the obvious thing it seems to me is if Kevy Walters gets the gig, which we would all love to see, I think most people in rugby league would love to see Kevy get the gig and succeed. The first thing it does, though, if Kevy gets the gig, it gets the faithful, it gets the members, yeah. it gets everybody yeah, instantly back on side. They oh, begin well, healing. Well, That's the big thing. Yeah, and, and the people that he's bringing back, and I know some of them, and you know, they're legends. They know what's happening. They're very successful at other clubs. And, you know, and they know the DNA. I don't know that it's going to work, but I know that he deserves an opportunity. And I know that the guys that are going to go back really care. And not that the guys weren't there, didn't care about their job. But I think Brisbane need that at the moment. Like when Ricky went back to Canberra, all of a sudden you know who they are. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, and and Desi Hasler goes back to Manly. Some some clubs, no matter what happens, like Wayne Bennett went to Newcastle, and I keep on saying, and he's arguably one of the greatest coaches to ever coach our game. It just doesn't work. Some some clubs need their own DNA, need that need that Newcastle feel about it. And, and I know Wayne tried to take the Broncos, you know, ethos there, and it just doesn't work at some organisations. And I think at Brisbane, what they tried to bring there, it just wasn't working. Now, boys, before – hopefully we can leave this alone now for a while, but it's the end of Anthony Seabold as an NRL coach for now. I wonder, boys, where you think this will go for Anthony moving forward. Obviously, he's got a, go a golden handshake. He's walked away with a little bit of money, but I mean – A little that, bit. Well, a lot, but I mean, it's still – Let's look at it from his point of view. That was his dream job. Mm. He's failed at it. I mean, you can dress it up any way you want. He's failed at the job. He hasn't gone a quarter into the contract, and they've had to let him go. Where to now for Anthony Seabold, do you think? I think the story today about him possibly heading to Newcastle as an assistant to Adam O'Brien is probably the, the safest bet. Look, he'll, he'll resurface somewhere as an assistant coach. I don't think he'll be lost the game. I think he has been proven at times to be a very good assistant coach. Certainly knows his footy. And I think the failings of the Broncos were probably not from a lack of footy knowledge. It was other areas up there, uh, which was more the, the, the head coaching role, mm. which, which brought him undone. So I, I think he can be more than competent assistant coach somewhere and he can go and learn a few mistakes, you know, what, what he did wrong and 
redo things and, and perhaps come back again. It's going to, I will say it's going to be a brave club now that appoints him as the head coach in the future. If you're Adam O'Brien at Newcastle, Kenty, given uh, the very public departure and demise of Anthony Seabold at the Broncos, uh, would you want to bring him straight in next year? Oh, they're mates. I know, so they're, they, yeah, I know yeah, they're great mates they from know, Melbourne but, days, but my point to that is that Adam O'Brien would know exactly what he gets with, with Anthony Seabold. And he'd know more than what we, we, we could tell you now. So if he's, if he's confident enough that Seabold could come in and, and help him, I think he would do would get him in. The other thing is I think that uh, there's no doubt that if he did come in, he would – the instructions, he wouldn't need to say it, O'Brien, is he's coming back as an assistant. He's yeah. not coming back as a potential future head coach. Mm. He's coming back as an assistant. And I think Adam O'Brien will help him through that period, uh, yeah, rebuild him, get his confidence back, probably help – correct a couple of things that Seabold clearly got wrong at Brisbane and then get him in shape to once again at, at some point stick his hand up for a head coaching role somewhere around the the game. Most likely it'll be the English Premier, uh, Super League so mm. that he'll probably head back to as a in a head coaching role. I can't say an NRL club because of the potential for a potential backlash you would face. I don't see an NRL club really having an appetite to, to appoint head coach at any point in the near future. You've been one of Anthony Seabold's fiercest critics, Anthony. Oh, that right? What do you think in terms of what lays ahead for his future? Well, I've seen if he wanted to be Madge's assistant at the West Tigers. That won't be happening. No, I'm just kidding. No, look, I wish him all the, all the best. Copy, mate. I, mate, I, I, was, I was being sarcastic. That's called sarcasm. I, sometimes I call it comedy. Yeah. But rarely does it come loose, off loose, 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 <laughs> yeah, Very loosely. Uh, all right, boys. Well, just in closing this particular rap, Gordy, let me bring you back in. Um, so are we thinking here, Kevy's going to get the job. If not Kevy, Paul Green. I don't uh, know if Kevy's going to get the job. My understanding is Kevy's not the favourite for the job. Who, do you is know it who's it Paul Green? Oh, oh, my understanding is Green's the, the, the favourite candidate at the moment. Mm-hmm. That's not my opinion. That's what I've he- heard. Do you think there might be anyone else flying around, boys, that might be a late, uh, you know, the dark horse, if you like? Uh, no, not really. There's a few coaches, obviously, still around that are available. But I don't think the Broncos, I tell you what, they're, they're under a lot of pressure to get this decision right. Um, and mm. I think that that's, that's really sort of telling on the club at the moment. But, no, I, don't, I, I think Paul Green's a very good coach. I think Kevy, what we've seen at Origin, obviously he knows what he's talking about. So I think they can both do the job. Uh, each of them have got to come in and be aware of their shortcomings. I think that's the most important thing. Mm-hmm. When you talk about the, who the Broncos coach is, no, no one other than uh, Bennett in a previous life, no longer, but other than Bennett in a previous life, I, I, would, I wouldn't say anyone is a perfect fit for the Broncos now. I think Kevy has got a lot of upside, but has to, has to be aware of his shortcomings as a coach and how he can fix them. And I think the same with, with Paul Green. They're different in, in each case, but they've just, if they're aware of that, and it's not hard to do, like, you know, we, we need a comedy on this show, Anthony. We got you in and fix all our problems. <laughs> oh, comedy's not our strong point. Well, they point, say so. leave the jacks to the comedians on it, Maroon. All right, so, boys. Uh, yeah, as long as, they, mm-hmm. as long as they're aware of their shortcomings and they get on with the job, I think that uh, either can do a pretty good job. All right. Well, I'll, we'll leave that there. What we'll do is we'll take a break. We'll come back They've, uh, back by popular demand. A thousand emails and tweets and God knows what else to bring back. I call BS. We will do that next. Um, and we'll do it right here as Triple M rocks the footy, the Sunday Sinbin. The Triple M Sunday Sinbin. Nice to be with you on a Sunday afternoon. Triple M rocks footy. And welcome back to it with Paul Kent and so to James Triceps Hooper, Gordon Tallis, Maroon here. Uh, we've got some tweets already coming in at Triple M underscore NRL. The great Brent Reed's been in touch to say that uh, he hasn't got a tanning bed at home. He gets a spray tan. So he goes down to the joint in King Street, Newdown, puts his paper undies on and lets them spray paint all over him. He said uh, in a message that I've seen on social media, uh, it takes one to know one at Anthony Maroon. And then there's another bloke called Bruno who's also tweeted in and said that he's seen you at those types of establishments as well. Yeah, I just go and lurk around there. I just go and see what's happening. Uh, He says he's (laughs) seen you inside the vicinity. Uh, And this one here for Gordon Tallis from uh, the boys at Shifano Seafoods in Rosebury says, Gordy must be excited the Titans are playing September footy. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> oh, Gordy, we'll get your thoughts on that in a minute. Right now, it's time for this. 
from the makers of The Earth is Flat and I'm only having one beer comes I Call BS. Yes, well, welcome back to it. I Call BS. Get something off your chest. It can be footy related. It doesn't have to be. There's been a massive blow up at the uh, Little Bay compound between uh, myself and Miss Portugal this morning. A full on argument and we rarely argue. We are lovers, not fighters, but a massive argument this morning um, because it's throwout. We had a throwout, so I put all the stuff out on the lawn. Somebody from up the road has put their rubbish there too. I know who you are, you palooka. I know that you put your rubbish outside my house. I checked on the camera. If you want to do a throwout, you ring the you ring bloody Roundwood Council, but that's not my uh, thing. Is he goes put all that stuff out on the front? Right. We're throwing that out. Just but, on another note, doesn't yeah. Wayne live near you? He does. Yeah. yeah right. Mm. Could have been him. He could have put his stuff well, out there. Well, you check the camera. You tell us. Yeah. Newcastle jumpers and dragons memorabilia. <laughs> no, <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't Wayne. But uh, anyway. Yeah, I'll tell you what I want to go uh, call BS on, Anthony. Uh, we've never been uh, more into uh, the the mental welfare and the health, health welfare of concussions these days mm. than what we are right now in rugby league. Every time a player certainly gets up a bit groggy, he's off for a head injury assessment, and all, uh, yeah, and, and as it should be. Yet last week we saw a player, Maratara Niakora for Parramatta, uh, Marata Niakora from Parramatta, from Par. I'll it's, turn not into you. it's not easy. It's not easy. Thank God I'm not calling a game. Red leather, we yellow saw, leather. We saw him. We saw him hit John, uh, Brandon Smith for for Melbourne, break his jaw, and yet the match review panel decided no charge necessary. And when I spoke to Michael Robertson, who's the uh, the, the coordinator of the match review committee, and, and look, he was quite reasonable about it. But he said, look, in their opinion, there might have been simultaneous contact between the chest and the shoulder. Uh, therefore, they didn't believe there was a charge. If breaking a person's jaw on contact is not the definition mm. of a careless tackle, then I'm not here. Mm. And I don't. I, I think at some point we've moved down this line where we like to have ex-players on the judiciary panel. We have ex-players on the match review panel. And the point of that is I think we also need someone on there with actually a, a deeper understanding of the rules and what the rules are intended to be used for. Because if you can break a person's jaw in a tackle and not be charged for it, and yet we see these innocuous shots get put off for a head injury assessment, mm. we, are, we are totally confusing ourselves. We're arguing against ourselves. And I think the game at some point has got to sit down and actually start addressing the way we tackle. I've never seen as many concussions in the game. And I'm talking about legitimate con- concussions too. I'm both generally knocked out. The game is more and more... Speed involved, greater impacts involved. There's more swinging arms. The shoulders just being launched into tackles. And because now, unlike the old days where you used to tackle low, you used to hit below the ball, now you're hitting on the ball. Mm. Uh, we see so many tackles go wrong because they need to be off by an inch or two and suddenly it's straight across the melon, as Brandon Smith appreciates. Now having his dinner through a straw, literally eating his dinner through a straw, I just think we, we need to adjust. We, we're going down. We, we, on the one hand, we, we, we're so good with these head injury assessments. And then on the other, a guy gets his jaw broken from an illegal tackle and can't even get hit with a careless charge. The definition of careless means there's no intent. Mm. And, but, but there was an injury out of it. It, it just it, it has to be looked at. All right. That's a good I call BS. Uh, Hoops or Gordy, can I invite you into the BS conversation? Gordon. Yeah, I'm going to call BS what you said earlier on, uh, Maroon, is Wayne Bennett um, mm-hmm. putting his hand up for another job. Yeah. You know, I said it before, I just like Wayne to finish this contract, you know, um, at South. I think he didn't finish it at Newcastle, didn't finish it at the Broncos, and for obvious reason at the Broncos, but uh, right now he's got a chance to finish at South and for someone that's employed him, just stick to the players there, Wayne, and... You've told them that you're going to stay there, but I think your name's popped up at the Bulldogs. The coach with Mick Guinness, it's popped up at the Dragons. It's popped up at the Cowboys. It popped up at the Titans when they wanted a job, and now it's popped up at the Broncos. You know, you're coaching at South. I don't think that helps your players when your coach gets chopped around. It doesn't help when your teammates get chopped around, um, and they're easy replaced. Coaches are hard to get replaced, so... I just like Wayne's name to stop getting mm. shopped around. Okay, that's a good I call BS too, but where does a coach finish their contract anymore? Hoops, would you like to call BS? 
Anthony, one of your favourite topics, I'm going to call BS on the Anthony Seabold sympathisers mm-hmm. because uh, when you strip it all back, uh, yes, nobody wants to see any of the social media garbage that was labelled at Anthony Seabold. It's off tap. Um, you can simply address that. You come out, say, false, idiots, palookas, leave us all alone. And if don't come at me, don't come at my family. Obviously, he's got some other private family matters as well. Everybody respects that. But I don't think we can sit around and feel sorry for Anthony Sebald. And I don't think he did himself any favours either with the way that he chose to walk away from the Broncos. This PR campaign that it was all, um, you know, dignified and that he was holding his head up and you know, it was a mutual agreement and all that sort of a thing. Look, he got a very good golden handshake. Um, you know, we're told it was up around the vicinity of $1.8 million. Um, uh, that's a, a, a damn good deal to walk away when you've only done one and a half years of what was supposed to be a six-year job. And so, won 14 games. Yes. So I, I think uh, some of the Seabold sympathisers. Then there was other stuff that I reckon Anthony got badly advised about. He was getting dragged in. You know, Phil Murphy had some off-tap remarks. Mm. Don't buy into that. No, no. Why, why are you buying back into that? There's enough other stuff going on. Just let that go into the ether and – People shake their heads and judge it on on what it is rather than you having to give it further oxygen. So I I reckon he's been badly advised and it could have been handled better. Well, Well, I think that comes down to Seabold too. So I think that was one of his problems. There was multiple problems. But one of his problems at the Broncos was he just couldn't let any slight go unignored. And he just – he would – just bite back and he'd get involved and he upset people – some irrelevant to him, some I think they were battles he didn't need to have, but his personality was such that he would spend energy on those sorts of things when he didn't need to. He seemed to have a glass jaw, Kenty, with any sort of criticism. Yeah. It, it didn't matter how light or how heavy, um, yeah. he found it very hard to just... Which we uh, didn't see when he was at South because he never really got any. It was all n- praise that year. Correct, yeah. And then, of course, we had the thing at the, the farewell uh, speech where he said he'd blooded 11... Broncos players into first grade or something like that. I found it all a little bit hard to follow that. It was like an Academy Awards speech, and he's waiting for Billy Crystal <laughs> to give him the Oscar. Or the music to start in the background so he can stop. <laughs> so he can just walk away from the mic. It starts uh, going down, and he squats mm. and goes with it. <laughs> all right, boys. Well, that was a great I call BS. I'm putting that one in for the radio awards, that one. one triple three five three. Let's go to... Panthers territory. Charles wants to take this back on a serious uh, note. Charles, the platform is all yours, my son. Go for your life. Yeah, g'day. Um, I'm actually a surgeon. Um, I treat uh, broken bones, and I was the club doctor for Penrith, although uh, even though I come from Penrith, I'm an eastern suburb supporter. Boo. Oh, well, when you're born in Darlinghurst, you've got no choice. Fair enough. The, um, here's the deal. I agree with Keddie. Uh, a broken jaw is a very serious injury. It has an enormous impact on a person. It doesn't happen by accident. And I uh, appreciate that accidents do happen in contact sports. But this is an attack to the head of an individual with a very bad outcome. The joint above the broken jaw may be a lifelong injury to this person, and he'll drink through a straw for six weeks. Mm. He won't be back. Team's affected. Uh, but the individual is affected, and I think the the, um, the judiciary should have the access. It doesn't have to have a doctor on the judiciary, but they need to have access to some medical representation to actually define what the actual injury means to the person. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I I, I think they've got to get out of this idea that it's ex-players adjudicating on ex- on current players and, and that's the fairest system. I, I know I've covered judiciary for, for a lot of years and often you would see people, and it pains me to say this, but you'd see the, the, the judiciary chairman actually trying to explain the rules in some cases to the panel members so they got a proper understanding and could adjudicate properly on that. And I just don't think that that's the way the game should be heading. I think you need somebody on there who's got experience understanding the rules, what they're there for, and what they're meant to to uh, yeah to, to, to do for for the game. And, and I don't think that's happening now at the moment. Chanty, if this happens in a pub, mm. and it doesn't matter whether the punch hit the chest first, it's grievous bodily harm. 
and it's a great detriment to the person. The person ends up before the police. Now, contact sports are contact sports, but the outcome here is so incredibly prejudiced to the person who got the injury, it, it, is, it is not, uh, it, as they say, that won't pass the pub test. Mm. And uh, I, I think this is something they need to clear up because a lot of these injuries are, are significant for the long term. So yeah. good luck with that one. I think you're spot on. Good on you, Charles. Thank you so much for taking the time to uh, call. Uh, that's uh, Charles, who is a doctor, just having his say on the broken jaw situation. Thank you for your call, mate. It's Kenty, it's Hoops, it's Gordy Tallis and Maroon. We call this the Sunday Sinbin. Thanks to our mates at Bryden's Lawyers, where they commit, protect and succeed. But look, we're going to um, uh, just Maroon's poll once again. My poll today is, it's a, around the Justin Holbrook thing. Uh, he has now got a contract, an upgrade of his contract at the Titans. He finishes in four years i think it's too young if i was a titan too too much if i was a titan supporter i'd be thinking well look at the history we see with coaches and long-term contracts at the moment so i am saying this contract's too long are you with me or are you against me triple m nrl facebook or at triple m.com.au now what i'll do is i'll take a break shortly 68 percent agree with me at the moment by the way 32 percent disagree so 32 percent disagree i disagree you disagree oh, well yeah, what i'll do boys i'll give you a, a platform to talk about that a little bit later on but up next we're going to take a, a different direction uh tim zoo and the jeff the horn man horn fight was on the other <laughs> night and kenty was there in his tux uh we're going to ask him to do a report on that for us next as triple m rocks the footy Sunday Sydney. Nice to be with you on a Sunday afternoon. Triple M rocks footy. Welcome back to it. Right across Australia, right across Queensland, New South Wales, wherever you might be listening on the app. Uh, we love to have your company and we do it for our mates at Bryden's now. Our friends at Tyre Power have got some great deals on always. Uh, get up to $150 cash back on selected BF Goodrich tyres. They're good people. Uh, South 38, Parramatta nil. Titans 14, Dragons 10. Roosters 58, Broncos 12. Warriors 36, Knights 6, Sharks 28, Cowboys 12, Panthers 30, Tigers 6 today, Storm Manly, uh, Raiders, Bulldogs. Now, uh, we're going to talk about the uh, boxing, the Horn Man, and uh, also Tim Zhu. Um, now, I'm a regular fan of the show NRL 360. My favourite on that show, of course, is Benny Eichen. Um, and then you turn up the other <laughs> night, Kenny, with that suit on, and I yeah. said to you many, many oh, years ago, else. I said, do you hang on to that suit because you'll get to get wear it again once one day. I know you got it for your dead ball back in 1978, and it's lovely. 78 <laughs> Mate, uh, talk to us about the boxing. Um, first of all, Jeff Horn, one of the, 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 the nice guys of the sport, is that it for him? I think so. I don't think how we can look. The disappointing thing was not that he lost; was it's the way he presented himself for the fight. And I think as a fight fan, if you're going to be asked to pay fifty bucks to watch a pay per view event uh, like Jeff Horn involving Jeff Horn again, you're going to want some sort of guarantee. He turns up in better better shape than what he did the other night. Mm. Now I know he was outclassed from the beginning of the fight, uh, but a lot of a lot of people, a lot of good judges thought if. Horn was anywhere near his best. And let's remember, he fought Terence Crawford. He fought Manny Pacquiao. A win and a loss there. But they are both of them them at at a point in their careers have been rated the best pound-for-pound fighters in the world. Mm -hmm. Both of them. And he fought both of them. Now, if you go up against Tim Zhu, whose biggest fight probably before this was against Jack Brubaker, who is not in the same, respectfully, not in the same league as, as either of those fighters, then you think, well, if, if Horn can be anywhere near his best and all the talk out of camp was how what great shape he's in and all the rest of it, then you thought he, he, he has to win the fight. Mm. What seemed to be a lot of, and, and, and I only watch it sort of passively, Kenny, but there was a lot of talk around uh, Horn's trainer. I, I noticed one bit in the commentary there that Jeff Fennick wasn't pleased about something. Well, look, there's a lot. To, there's a lot to complain about there. Um, firstly, that the fact that uh, there've been rumours around before the fight, and I, I tipped Horn to win the fight, but I took it on good faith that that he was in good shape. I had had I had had some concerns relayed to me that uh, he was not in great shape. That the reason he lost his his voice before the fight was either because there was various versions going around. One was that he was. Uh, struggling so hard to make weight that he's had to really cut down and he's really running himself down. And then when you run yourself down, you're not eating and you're still training at, at peak intensity. 
then what happens is your body just starts to give out and, you, and fighters often get colds and little things like that. And, and a cold can sort of settle in your throat, which is why you lose your voice. So that was one reason that was offered for why he lost his throat, that uh, voice. That was denied by the camp. And then the other one I heard was that he got punched in the throat, which would, would then affect his training after that. Because if your throat's swollen to a point where you can't talk properly, then clearly breathing's going to be an issue and it's going to affect you. you certainly in the days afterwards, it's going to affect your training. That was also denied. So no explanation was given for why he'd lost his voice. And Jeff, you, you have, in the lead up to the fight, would just sort of give this stunned sort of, yeah, I, I don't know what's happened to it. It just went. That was okay until we saw his performance where after two rounds, he was just physically gassed. He just, he struggled. He got back into the, the corner after the second round and you could see him breathing heavily as opposed to Tim Zhu, who wouldn't have blown out a candle. Mm -hmm. Now, that was a concern after two rounds. Now, first, though, his trainer has missed whatever's gone wrong in camp or, the, or denied whatever's gone in wrong in, in camp and still put him in the ring, which is a concern. But second to that, he lost the first round. He lost the second round. He got, I think it was the fourth round he got knocked down in. He got knocked down again later in the fight. He got knocked down two rounds. And so at the end of the eighth, he had not won a round. Two of them he'd been down on the canvas, and he's clearly just no longer even a chance of winning the fight. And so he's trying to sit down, and one of the cornermen goes, mate, he's done, stop the fight. And he says, can you give us one? The trainer says, can you give us one more round? There was nothing. He was not going to get one more round was not going to win him the fight. Can you give us one more round? Do you want one more round? Do you want us to stop it, Jeff? Horn didn't answer when he said, do you want us to stop it? One of the, the cornermen, other cornermen said, well, that says it all. But the trainer then says, "Now, can you give us one more round?" He doesn't want to. He doesn't want to acknowledge the truth of what's now happening in the corner. Mm. And when Jeff doesn't answer that satisfactorily, satisfactorily, he then says, "Have you got a punch in you? Have you got one more punch in you?" Now, if that's what your, if that's your hope to win the fight, is to land the haymaker, the hail mary. Yeah, you are in serious trouble. Mm. And if your fighter's not showing any enthusiasm to go out and actually deliver that. Well, then the fight's over. But the trainer still ignored that and went to him a third time, at which point one of the comments said, mate, it's over. Yeah, the cut man. The co what, yeah, Adam the cut Copeland hmm. yeah. said, it's over. And at that point, corner. the referee saw what was going on. The referee turned around and ended the fight. Now, the one thing, Anthony, when you're a fighter and you're in the middle of the ring, you need your corner man, your, your trainer, you need him looking after you. He's, his chief job right there, more than anything else, is to look after your welfare. You're going to go out and you're going to put it all on the line, do everything you can to win the fight. And throughout the fight, you will suffer a concussion of some sorts. May not be a, a, a knock, knockout, unconscious concussion, but when you're punched in the head, you suffer what they call micro-concussions. So that then begins to affect your judgment, but the warrior in the fighter will make him continue to fight. That's why you need your corner man who is not getting punched, who is in a fit state, to be able to actually sit down and look after you. Mm. And this didn't happen. And, and, and the, the problem with, with Glenn Rushton is it's happened before. It happened against Terence Crawford. He, said, he, he never won. He never looked like when You could not cut 15 seconds of fight against Terence Crawford show it to someone and say, Jeff won the fight, look at this. Because there was not 15 seconds where he actually got the better of Crawford in the whole fight. And when the fight was eventually stopped, mercifully, Hall, uh, Rushton went around saying to people, we just needed one more round. Mm. One more round would have given him a bigger hiding. He was not getting any closer to a win, but he did that. Then against Michael Zarafa in the first round, you could hear the corner arguing about throwing the towel in. And Rushton didn't want to do it before finally Rushton, uh, Jeff Horn's brother threw the towel in, overruled Rushton to look after the safety of his brother, in this case, mm. and the fighter in the ring. So this Rushton's got no form of stopping the fight at the right time. Now, famously, the one time they did ignore it and it worked out was against Pacquiao, where if you remember, the referee walked the over ninth. after the ninth and said, show me something the next round or I'm stopping it. And Rushton turned around and said, no, we're good, we're good. And the referee said, well, you show me something or I'm stopping it. Now, Horn, in one of the great performances, went out in the 10th round and really turned it on. But I just that's the controversy over this. Glenn Rushton shouldn't be allowed near a corner again. You've got to start exercising sound judgment in that corner. It's one thing to be able to train a guy in the gym and get him fit. It's another guy to look after his welfare when, when the pressure of the fight is actually occurring.
but Paul, how was that going to happen, right? Because it's boxing, and we all know, you know, boxing's boxing, like Don Kings or whatever of the world. But to me, he seems like a self-promoter. I've been to, say, three or four on Horn fights. I was at a Dennis Hogan fight. He's an Irish guy, and I went to watch Dennis fight, and Horn was in the function area, like it was a function area, and then kids were coming up and getting Jeff Horn's photo. And every photo that some kid asked Jeff Horn to take or some adult wanted to go get Jeff Horn, the trainer would jump up and get into the photo. Yeah. So when you like someone – and then when he walked out in the ring, I don't know whether you saw it, he was high-fiving. So when you like got a coach that loves the limelight and it's all about him, how are you going to stop that? Mm. Well, look, now you're getting into personal territory. If if I'm Jeff Horn, I just sack him. But I don't don't fight again if I'm Horn. After what he showed the other night, he shouldn't be allowed to fight. I'm talking about boxing. Like when you go, okay, well, because my article today was you've got to save people from what they are because we always get up – you know, Latrell Mitchell, he's too lazy. Anthony Milford's not fit enough. And we've all picked on that guy that's not fit enough. But then we get a guy like Carrigan that has 20 hit-ups that gets into the road and all these guys and Payne Hass that's playing 80 minutes. Sometimes you've got to save them from yourself. Is there somewhere, is there someone above in boxing that goes, well, hold on, mate, you can't do that. I think the welfare of the fighters, you know, you don't have the best interest. Yeah, there's is a, there a governing body? Well, that, yes, there is. Every state has its own governing body. The mm. Queensland one uh, is not, uh, I don't believe, is government regulated like that. it is in New South Wales. I think it's just a sporting body that's been formed, and I think that they are a concern with some of the things that get... Look, look let's remember, they're, they're the organisation that allowed to fight the distance of a fight get changed halfway through the fight. If Remember when Franz Botha and Sonny Bill Williams fought each mm. other? And Sonny, at the end of the... Uh, I think it was the end of the 10th or 9th, was just about un- unconscious. It was a 12-round fight. Suddenly got chopped down to 10 rounds because it was clear he wasn't going to make 12 rounds. Mm. So, and, and the authority allowed that to happen. So I, I've got concerns over the, the Queensland. I think the government need to get in and actually start regulating. The problem with the regulating down in New South Wales is there's too much emphasis on New South Wales on getting all the criminals out of the sports. So all the ex-police are involved on the authority and all the rest of it. And out of that, they are then now making – they don't know fighting well enough, so they're putting mismatches in. They're putting Gordon Tallis in against Anthony Maroon, and because they get told it's a fair fight, they, they think it's a fair fight. Mm. Yeah, I don't oh, know what you're saying there, but I'll make the weight. Anyway, <laughs> that, is make our, the weight. that is our uh, boxing yeah. segment, Punched in the Ring. It'll be back next week, but up next, <laughs> we'll return to Rugby League as Triple M rocks the footy. Thanks to McDonald's. Triple M rocks footy. Triple M rocks the NRL 24-7 through the Triple M app. Thanks to Ream. Steady, hot and strong. Install a Ream.